So we're going to read now Matthew chapter 17, verse number 14. And when they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man kneeling down to him and saying. So this is Jesus. And there's a man that comes, kneels down, and says, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic. Does this sound like any of your parents? Lord, have mercy on my child. They are a lunatic. They've gone bananas. I've said this about Sage in the middle of the night, 3 a.m. screaming like, Lord, she's a lunatic. Help her. Uh, we've given her a bottle. We've changed her diaper. We've burped her. She's still screaming, God. She's a lunatic. Help her. No, that's not what he was talking about because we're going to go on. And for he is a lunatic, for oftentimes he falleth into the fire and often into the water. Well, no, this is it's meaning he's suicidal. So he's trying to cast himself into the fire, trying to drown himself. And I brought him to thy disciples, and they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you, and how long shall I suffer you or put up with you? How long will I wait around on you to get it? Bring him hither to me. Bring him to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. So this was a demonic possession. And this man brought his son, who was possessed of a demon, to the disciples, and the disciples could not cast him out. So he brings him to Jesus, and Jesus obviously can do it. He can cast that spirit, that evil spirit, out. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart, so aside, like after it's all over, in secret. They came to him um, apart, and they, and they said, Why could not we cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, If you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Now, that is a very popular verse, right? And, and if you've been in church any length of time, you probably have seen, or you might still own a mustard seed. People, have, I mean, I've been in many services, pass out mustard seeds in little jars, you know, and it's tiny. It's like, it's like this big, and so they're like, this is all the faith that you need, and you can move a mountain with this and all this stuff. And so uh, that's a very popular, a very popular verse. Um, and the mustard seed, for some reason, was Jesus' favorite of all seeds. He also said that it is um, like the kingdom of God because it's a small seed, but it sprouts into a very large tree. Um, anyway, but I, that's just interesting side note. But so, he, yes, you grind up those seeds and you add maybe some oil or stuff. I, but it's, you know, if you get the fancy mustard, it's stone ground. So you grind up those little mustard seeds and that makes the mustard. So um, good question, but not really applicable, but it's all right. It's a good question. So he says that. And so we like to focus on faith, mustard seed, 
saying to the mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. But the very next word in the very next verse is howbeit. So that kind of negates everything that was just said. Like, it's, it's, a, it's a fancy word for, but, you know, have you ever heard that? Like, well, this, 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 and this, but, like, if you give, like, a compliment, and then you say, but, you know, you're just trying to soften it. You're like, um, your jacket is really, really nice, but, and then you just hammer them with, like, something. You know, I like, uh, I, I w- but that color, you know, I don't know about that color. You know, the style's really nice. No, I really like that jacket. I'm just teasing. But, you know, you know what I mean? It kind of negates everything that was said before. So we miss that how be it. We miss that completely. So we like to focus on mustard seeds, faith, and, and mountain moving, and we miss the how be it. How be it, Jesus says, verse 21, how be it. This kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. By prayer and fasting. So even the small grain of mustard seed is subject to prayer and fasting. You don't need a lot of faith, but it's subject to prayer and fasting. So what I want to talk about is because it was mentioned at Youth Congress, and when when he mentioned it, when Brother Carson mentioned it, I thought, I don't really know if we have a good understanding of fasting. So it's, it's not the most popular, it's not the most, um, you know, fun thing to talk about. We love to talk about moving mountains. But I want to give you some practical tools in how to get there. And prayer, we've talked about prayer a lot, and I hope you are praying. But you have to add to that fasting. I preached a lesson a while back about adding things, to add things to your faith, add things to your walk with God. And fasting is something that mature Christians do. It's something that you have to add to your life, not to be saved necessarily. I don't necessarily think that. Not to, you know, join the church, not to be a part of the church, but to mature in your walk with God. Fasting is something that is important. If you want to have the kind of power, see, Jesus berated his disciples. He said, you're faithless. You don't have faith. Well, it's not because they didn't have the mental knowledge. It's that to have faith in God takes more than just your brain. Because God is kind of hard to understand. Anybody ever just saw, sit down and thought about God and Like, why do we worship? Why do we do all this stuff? Why do we come lift our hands? Why do we speak in tongues? Why does all this stuff happen? And it can kind of boggle your mind. It can make your mind begin to kind of think, this is really strange because I live in a world of school. I live in a world of uh, just taking care of myself and, and having fun and entertaining myself. That's the world I live in. And this other world that I try to get into when I go to church or when I read my Bible or when I pray, it's so out there. It's so otherworldly. So how do I have faith? Well, faith comes by fasting. It's one tool that needs to be in your toolbox to use to build your faith so that you can do what God's called you to do. You're not going to fulfill the call of God on your life unless you add this discipline to your spiritual life. So I'm not talking to people that are just 
uh, trying to barely make it and trying to barely be saved, but I'm talking to people that have a desire to live for God, that have a desire to be used by God, and you're not going to get there unless you utilize this discipline of fasting. So let me ask you a question. When in the Bible have you heard about fasting? Can you think of any stories? Well, first of all, let's define what fasting is. is it mean, does it mean that you are really quick? Prayer and running really fast. Maybe you should be a marathon runner or a hundred-yard sprinter, right? Prayer and fasting. Or maybe you should drive your car really fast and pray that the cops don't pull you over, right? That's some prayer and fasting. Anybody, anybody live that way? Sometimes I do, especially when we're late. Sister Nikki's like, step on it. I'm like, oh, Lord, help us, you know. What is fasting? Does anyone have a definition of fasting? Okay, so give something away. Close. Anybody else? Just it, Now, it's not just a spiritual word. It, it has a real-world connotation that is not necessarily connected to spiritual. When you fast, what are you doing? Now, it has a spiritual component. We're going to get into it. But just in the word itself, anybody know? What, the word, what do you think it means? What? Not eating. Yes, very good. You knew it the whole time. Why did you raise your hand? I knew you knew it. Not eating. Right? So people fast for different reasons. There's now a diet called intermittent fasting where you just don't eat except for small windows of time during the day and it helps you lose weight. So, like, I don't know, you know, it's a revelation. Not eating helps you lose weight. Wow! Took scientists to tell us this. Like, amazing. Okay, but so fasting is, it just means you don't eat. You, you abstain from eating. You do not eat food, and sometimes you do not drink water or do not drink other things or maybe just drink water, but it means you give up food. So when the Bible says fasting, it, it means giving up food. It means not eating for a period of time. Now, that is kind of strange, but I'm going to talk to you a little bit about when this has happened in the Bible and we're going to pull some examples from the Bible, and then we're going to talk about it in light of this verse as to what fasting means for our life. So can you think of any times, any stories in the Bible that involve fasting or involve people not eating? Yes. Jesus fasted 40 days. Very, very good. 40 days before he began his public ministry, he went into the wilderness. And the Bible says that he fasted 40 days. Now, I believe that um, Jesus did not eat those 40 days, but I did read on, on my Bible app that there is a practice of people fasting long periods of time, and they're not totally abstaining from food. They're just abstaining from really good-tasting food or food that they normally really like, and they're eating just enough to kind of survive. So that's also a part of fasting. But for the general for our understanding, it means not eating. So Jesus fasted 40 days in the wilderness. Very good. Anybody else can think of a story where fasting was involved? This is hard. I'm not expecting you to know necessarily. 
Can you think of any other story? Sister Nikki, you look like you got one. Daniel fasted, yes. Daniel, Daniel has a, a certain um, dietary restriction that he put on his life. And they're, okay, I'm trying to use this concordance here. That's where they get the Daniel's fast, yeah. Anybody else can think of one? I, I can really only think of one other one. Uh, I actually think I can think of two. One was kind of spiritual, one was kind of not. Can you think of one? Anybody else? Caitlin, looks like you were going to say something. Esther, yes. That was what I was thinking of. Esther called for fasting before she would go see the king to discuss the problem of the Jews being wiped out. They were very worried and concerned about it. Uh, what about the story of Jonah? Was there fasting involved in that? Yeah, the king of Sodom and Gomorrah. Or no, Nineveh, sorry, I got the wrong evil cities. This king of Nineveh said that we're going to fast and we're going to repent. And we're going to put sackcloth and ashes on. Um, the, a, a form of evil fasting was when the Pharisees said that they were going to fast all food and all water until the apostle Paul was dead. I don't know if they probably had to break their oath, but they were going to seal their oath with fasting. So fasting is something that is involved in Scripture. It's something that has been involved throughout time and history in the Old Testament. People fasted to signify three things. So here's the three things Old Testament fasting meant to signify. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to show you what it, what it used to mean, and then we're going, to, we're going to talk about what it means today for you in the New Testament, and then we're going to talk about some modern forms of fasting because I do think they can, we can take this principle and apply it to other areas of our life. Okay? So everybody good? If you're taking notes, that's where we're going. We're going three, what, three things that Old Testament fasting signified. It signified mourning, not like the rising of the sun. It signified if you were sad about something, you fasted just as like this. They had like this other kind of mindset or worldview that we had. It was a very spiritual life was very integrated into their whole life, whether you believed in God or not. You kind of this was just something that you did in order to either show respect to the dead or to show to signify your own grief. You would change your clothes. You would have drab clothes on. You would put ashes on your head to look dirty, unwashed, unclean, and you would not eat. So David, when he committed sin, and he was mourning over his sin and the loss of his child that the Lord had prophesied. He wore sackcloth, ashes, and he fasted. But after the child died, he washed his face, got dressed, and had a meal. And people were saying, you should still be in mourning. You know, and now that story right there. So that's another aspect of fasting so that it was connected to sackcloth. So it signified mourning. Secondly, it signified repentance, which also illustrated in the story of David. It could signify a form of repentance, that you were sorry. So the story of Nineveh, they fasted to show that they were repentant, that there was a seriousness, that they were mourning their own sin. And then it showed a separation from God, a separation from God and a really kind of a desire for God, a separation from God. So a good example in the Bible is John the Baptist his disciples fasted. 
But Jesus' disciples, they did not fast. Jesus, after the 40 days, he did not fast. And his disciples did not fast. And so the Pharisees, who were steeped in the Old Testament, and they understood the importance of fasting, and they would go on these ritual fasts, they criticized the disciples, and they said, Why are you not fasting? Why, Jesus, why don't your disciples fast? And he said, Because they are with me. There's, come, there's going to come a day when they will fast because they're apart from me. But when they're with me, there's no need to fast because they're in my presence. So it's, it signified a separation from God. So they kind of all roll together. But you can see that it's mourning, repentance, and separation from God. So that's kind of the context in which Jesus ha- is saying that this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. But then we see a shift in the New Testament into what it means for us in this verse. This is really the only verse where Jesus teaches on fasting, and it's not a lot of teaching. So the rest of the teaching of fasting is just by example, by people that did it, what it accomplished. But this is the only, where I could find in Scripture, this is the only place in Scripture where it is explicitly taught on what you should do, that you should fast, and what it does in your life. So I want you to notice a difference, that in the New Testament, that in the life of a believer in Jesus Christ, filled with the Holy Ghost, fasting does not necessarily symbolize mourning, repentance, or even separation from God, but it gives you access to a power that God has. There is a power, there is a place in God that only fasting can access. That has to be used to access. So it transitions from this thing of mourning, from this thing of uh, kind of sorrow and head down. And in fact, there is in in the New Testament, it talks about when you fast, that you should not put on the sackcloth of ashes and, and make yourself look sad and down, but you should wash your face, that you should have confidence, that you should act like nothing's wrong, act like you're having a great day even though you're not eating, because fasting is not a sorrowful experience anymore, but it is something not that you do to repent of your sins. The Bible doesn't say that repentance in the New Testament involves fasting. You don't have to, you know, if you're a rank sinner, you don't have to fast for two weeks before God will forgive you. All you have to do is ask for God to forgive you, and he forgives you immediately. So fasting is not for the new convert. Fasting is not for the person that doesn't have the Holy Ghost, that isn't trying to live for God. Fasting is for somebody that wants to have authority with God. Fasting is for somebody that wants to be used by God. It changes your, so one, it gives you power. Number two, it changes your mindset. It changes your mindset. Because Jesus said, this faith goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. So it changes your mindset. It helps you see things through God's perspective. So it gives you power and it changes your mindset. It gives you power, and it changes your mindset. It helps you see things through God's perspective. That's why you have to include this if you're going to be used by God. Because you need to see things the way God sees them. 
You need to see things the way that God is looking down on your life. And it helps you see things that you can not see. So a practical use, practical use of fasting. Would be if you need to make a big decision. If you need to make a big decision in your life. And you need to have the faith to see things the way God sees them. Then fasting is something that you need to do. You don't need to make a big decision without fasting. About Now, fast, and let me say a third point there. It's always coupled with prayer. Don't waste a fast day and not pray. Don't go through all the, the, the you know, driving by the billboards and like drooling down on your shirt like, you know, I mean, I hate McDonald's, but on fast day, McDonald's looks awesome. You know, I, I look now, Sister Nikki doesn't. Even, she hates McDonald's so much. She wouldn't even eat there if she was dying. But now me, I fast. Anything looks good. I mean, anything looks good. I could eat everything at McDonald's. I mean, even the McRib starts looking good. Now, that's a little strong. <laughs> Never mind. I take that back. That's, that's always so gross. I mean, Ribs with fake bones in it just uh, that you can eat? No, I, I, no. Anyway, but gross. Uh, if, you, if you're a McRib fan, I, I am sorry. I, 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 if I offended you, I am sorry. I, I've actually never tried it. I can't work up this, the stomach to try it. Anyway, but everything looks good. But you don't want to waste that fast day and not pray and not ask God. Lord, what are you talking to me about? What, let me see what you are doing. So you don't need to make a big decision in your life without fasting and praying together, coupled together about it. You should always pray. But then you add to your prayer fasting. As we're, we're going into this adding to. Adding to. Add to your life fasting. We talk a lot about Bible reading and prayer. Awesome. Those are great things. Add to it fasting. When you really need to make a big decision, pray and add fasting to it. Because it gives you the mind of God. It helps you see what God sees. And then the answer will become more clear into your heart and into your life. So when you have a big decision to make, fast. Fast. And then, when you, and then the second thing I would say, practical use of fasting, is when you face major opposition, fast about it. When you have something like this, like this case with the demonic possessed young person that the disciples needed to cast out, they needed to get over this opposition that they were facing they couldn't because they didn't have it stored up they didn't have the prayer and the fasting to understand what God wanted to do maybe they thought the kid was sick maybe they didn't understand that there was a a possession going on it was just they didn't understand that they weren't equipped so if you are coming up against something and you have a big need in your life and you have just feel like I can't get over it I can't get through it I've got to get God's mind, I've got to get his help, then fast about it. It shows that you have a desperation for the situation. That I need God's help. So I'm willing to take some discipline and do something that is hard to do. Nobody likes to do it. It is hard to do, but I'm trying to distance myself from my flesh so that I, my spirit can become alive and that the Holy Ghost can communicate better with me. So it can become, I can become more sensitive 
to the power of the Spirit. So that I can get over this mountain or this thing that is plaguing me. I've got to get through this. If you need a breakthrough in your life, try prayer with fasting. Add that to your prayer. Yes, pray about it. Continue to pray about it. But add to that fasting. And never, this could be number three under this New Testament fasting, never fast for other people to know that you are fasting. Never fast for praise or approval or to look spiritual. Never announce it. Never say this is now. Sometimes you're going to have to tell some folks, you know, because I guarantee you, every time you try to fast, somebody's going to be trying to force feed you, like literally, like put you in a headlock and shove pizza down your face. Like every time, there's like an offer of food, and they're like, "Why don't you want to eat?" They're like, "What? Why? What? What in the world?" And you can kind of, you know, get, try to get out of it. But if you can't, you can just tell discreetly. Somebody and say, you know, I'm fasting today. But you don't need to announce it like, I am fasting today. I am Mr. or Mrs. Spiritual. And then like, you know, like shun the food, like, uh, uh, you know, as you walk by, like, no, I'm spiritual. I'm going to move a mountain tomorrow. So I'm fasting today. I don't think anybody would do that. But don't do that. Don't don't do it for any kind of like spiritual. It's not a magic potion. You know, it's the stories of magic, because if you do the potion, then you'll get the power no matter what, no matter if you're a good person or bad. That God doesn't do that. God doesn't reward just not eating if you just want to, like, curse your sister or your brother. Like, you know, like, God, I want them to, you know, to have a horrible day because they've been so mean to me. So I'm going to fast until you, like, strike them with lightning. You know, it's not like some sort of potion. I'm getting kind of silly, but it's not like you're going to get what you want if you fast enough. It's like, oh, I want this relationship to work. Oh, God, I want them to fall in love with me. So I'm going to fast three days, and then they're going to love me. And then it's going to be the will of God. You're not going to strong arm God. You're not going to like put his, and like bend his arm backwards. He's like, oh, oh, okay, 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 I'll make it my will. No, that's not what it's about. It's about humbling yourself and saying, I'm not going to do what I want to do so that, God, you can do what you want to do. It's not about I want to get this. It's I want to get your will. I want to know what you think about this situation. So it's, it's fine to fast about a relationship, but it's not, I want this to work. It's, I want this, your will to be done. I want you to tell me what's, what's right. And I know that my flesh is uh, kind of bent in one direction. I, I know that I see a little bit like m- through my perspective and that my perspective is going to be hard to break. So I'm, I need you to help me to break this so I'm going to abstain from eating something that I have to do, that I want to do, and I'm going to push back for a while so that my prayers can be more focused and that I can hear your voice more clearly because I'm pushing back as a symbol. I want this food, but I'm not going to eat it as a symbol that I want this, but I'm going to let you decide, God, what the right way for me to go is. I want this to work out, and I think I know the answer to this, but I really don't know the answer. I'm going to yield to you. I've got this kid being brought to me. If if I was a disciple, I could say, and I think he's suicidal, and I think he needs healing, and I think he's got a mental condition. So I'm trying to pray for healing, and I don't understand that he's possessed by a demonic power. 
power and I can't do anything for him because I'm just seeing with my own eyes and I don't know what I don't know. And Jesus said, you perverse generation, you're seeing everything through your own eyes. But if you would pause for a minute, push back from the table, begin to pray and see things as I see them, I see it very clearly that that is a demonic possession that I can cast out because I have authority over it. And you would have authority too if you knew what was going on. But you don't know because you're not praying and you're not fasting about it. So if you want to know the will of God, add to your life fasting. Now, so the last part, this is the last part, modern applications of fasting. I do think, I do think primarily fasting needs to involve food, primarily. I don't think you can never fast food and really be used by God in the way that he wants to use you. I just, I mean, if his disciples couldn't be used without prayer and fasting, then I don't think any of us are any better than Peter or James or John. I, I just, I don't think, I think we're going to have to add this discipline to our life. I, I, don't, I don't think you shouldn't go your whole life and never fast. You know, you, you should, just shouldn't. I mean, it's something, and I, I was fortunate. I learned it by example. My dad, not a preacher, but he would fast one day a week. And I would see it. I would, I would notice. Um, and he never really announced it, but I just noticed Dad didn't eat. Before church on Wednesdays, Dad just didn't eat. Or it was Thursdays back then because we had church on Thursdays. Dad just wouldn't eat. On the day that we had midweek service, Dad wouldn't eat dinner. And, and, and then I noticed that when we were having a tough time, I remember one of the darkest trials in our family was when we, my dad got a job in Colorado and we had to move away from all our family, all our friends, and our church. And we were very upset about it. Uh, my parents were very upset about it. Our church, we missed our church. We didn't agree with a lot that was going on in the church that we went to. We stayed because we didn't have anywhere else to go, but it was just, it wasn't home. There were things that just worried it, my dad and concerned. And so my parents didn't quit going to church. They didn't get angry. They started fasting. And then that was like days, and I noticed that mom would cook and not eat. And I was like, this is really bizarre. But you know what? Months, and then my dad got a job back in Indiana, and we moved back home. And God answered their prayer. And, and it was, and through those times, God spoke to my parents and encouraged them that this is and so I saw it lived out and expressed. Before I understood it in the Bible, I saw it lived out. So it was in that time in Colorado, I started to fast too. And I would fast, I was like 10 years old, and I would, start, I would fast lunch one day a week. And, and it would be really, really hard. I would eat, I was not a breakfast eater, but on that day, you better believe it. I was eating like 6,000 calories for breakfast. Like, Mom, clear out the fridge because I'm not eating lunch. I'm not eating until dinner time. So, I mean, hit me. You know, eight eggs, please. Six pieces of toast, the whole package of bacon, I want it. You know, I would eat three bowls of cereal, you know. And so, I mean, I would just, I would just pack it in so that I could try to make it through the desert of no lunch, you know. And so, but it was a start. It was, but it was an example to me. And so, I... I learned that lesson early. And I just, when, when Brother Carson mentioned something about fasting, I thought, I wonder if our youth group knows its power. Because you might not have the privilege of watching somebody do it in their everyday life and watch the blessing and the anointing of God flow down in a home and in a family because of it. So I wanted to teach it to you because it is powerful. So primarily, I think it does involve food. And I, I do think that it's a fine way to do it to fast meals if it is a sacrifice for you. I think it's fine to, to not fast 
a 24-hour period, but to fast meals. I think that's fine to do. If you've never fasted before and you want to start, I think that is a fine way to do it, if it is a sacrifice for you. Like I said, I'm not a breakfast person, so to fast breakfast and just eat lunch and dinner is not a sacrifice for me at all. That just means I can sleep in a little later and then get busy in the day, and then before long, it's noon, time to eat a big lunch. You know, that, that's, not, that's not something that is a sacrifice for me. It's not even really a sacrifice for me to, because now that I, you, it's not that much of a sacrifice for me. So I have to be, be very careful if you're going to do like the, the fasting, make sure it's a sacrifice for you. You know, really let the Lord challenge you and push you. You're not going to die. You're not going, it feels like you're going to die, but you're not going to die. You're going to make it, okay? So you can live without food for one day. So I would challenge you, if you have never fasted, start with a meal, but your goal needs to be, I want to fast an entire day. And it's hard. It is difficult. And if you live at home and your, your mom is preparing you food, yeah, you've got to tell her. You've got to tell mom and, you know, and explain what you're doing. You don't have to hide it from everybody. But you, you, you do need to be, you know, you do need to be kind of discreet about it. Everybody at school doesn't need to know. You know what I mean? And it, it can be difficult. It can be difficult to, to, you know, not eat when everyone else is eating. I understand that. But if you have a hunger for God, then it's easier to push away the hunger of your flesh because you really need something from God. And so uh, that, that is um, a good tactic. It, I, I would say primarily it has to involve food. Secondarily, I do think that media in our culture, I do think media fasting is an excellent way to fast. It's not in the Bible. They didn't have Instagram. They didn't have television. They didn't have YouTube. You know, they, but I do think that it is an excellent way to fast, to help your mind. So I do think a media fast is a taking the biblical principle. I don't think it should ever replace fasting for food. But I do think if you're really trying and you need something from God, and you really want God to use you, then you can go on a media fast. And that's certainly not going to kill you. You will certainly make it. And Sister Nikki and I sometimes do those, those kind of fasts just um, to kind of reboot our family life and our time together. And it, it opens up relationships, one with another and with God, because you realize how much free time you actually have. And it's good to have a Bible. And so one, this is a practical tip that I like to do. If I'm on a media fast, you have that kind of itch to pick up your phone. Like, I mean, some of us are like quick draw McGraw, like in a Western movie, you know. We've got our phone. Can, I mean, pick it up before you even know it. We're just on Instagram. We've already posted like three things in 0.5 seconds. You know, it's like I think some of you could go for the world record. You know what I mean? Like fast. We're fast. We send a text message and a snap at the same time. You guys are just fast. You're good. At, so you have that itch, right, to pick up your phone. I mean, I do it all the time. Like we have this, like, fear of not being entertained. So if I have, like, a split second, I'm in, I'm in the grocery store line, like, whoop, on my phone. Like, this chair is so dumb. They're going to be, like, five seconds, and you're going to be up there checking out. But, no, it's like, whoop, you know, you got to have something to do. So when you have that impulse to, like, start your day with your phone, if you're on a media fast, have a Bible app on there, and when you pick up your phone, just like remind yourself, hey, I need, I'll just read, I'll read a few verses of my word before world. 
I'll, I'll pick it up, I'll open up my blue letter Bible, and I'll, I'll read it. Just like satisfy that itch with something spiritual. And I'm not saying every time, like never get on Instagram again. I'm talking about fasting. I'm talking about a, a period of time where you've stepped away from media and saying, I'm going to set this time aside to build my desire after God. So if you're struggling with something, if you need an answer from God, try some of these things. Try fasting. So here's, here's my challenge, and then I'm done. Here's my challenge, because we got to get in. Sister McKenzie is getting baptized. I'm very, very proud of her for that decision, and we want to be in there to support her. So um, make sure. So here's, I, this is my challenge to you. Choose one day a week and do some type of fasting. With the goal, here's a goal, to, to, to not eat for a 24-hour period in one day a week. That is a goal for you. If, you. if that is too hard, you can't get there, media fast one day a week. And try skipping a meal. Okay, I mean, if, if, you, if you have a desire to live for God, apply this immediately. Make a plan, a strategic plan. I'm going to do this. And like I said, never waste a fast day and not pray. Don't just do it because I say to do it and because you're trying to be, and I'm, I'm thankful you're trying to be involved, but don't waste it and not pray. Don't waste it and just like, you know, use that, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play video games during uh, meal times. You know, and just kind of wait. And then you're just like on a diet, which is not, not bad, I guess, if you want to be on a diet. It's just a diet. But don't waste it. It's not for any other purpose than spiritual. So pair it with prayer. Does that make sense? Anybody have any questions? Okay. All right. Let's pray in dismissal, and then we will see where they're at in the main service. God, we love you. And, Lord, we are thankful, God, for this day. We're thankful, Lord, for your word. And, God, I pray that you would touch these young people, God, as they desire to live for you. I pray, God, that we would be able to put this, the, this discipline of fasting into our life to better use it to uh, expound the kingdom of God in our life, in our school, in our families, in our homes. God, I pray that these young people would begin to see the results that they've been praying for when they add fasting to their prayer, that they would see that it works, that they would see that your power and that your spirit is real and that it makes a transformative difference in their life. I pray that you would bless them, that you would touch them. In Jesus' name, amen. This has been an episode of Axiom Youth Student Ministries. Thank you for listening to this episode. We hope you've enjoyed and we hope you'll come back for the next one. Thank you for tuning in.